Hello, one and all. Welcome once again to the Movie Guys. Uh, your main movie guy, Paul Preston, here, along with the great Adam Witts. Hello, I'm here. Returning to the Admirals Club yes. once again. Uh, for those of you just tuning into the Movie Guys, yes, we're close to an airport. <laughs> so our studio, the Admirals Club. The Admirals Club. Uh, for this show, we're focusing on a great new indie film in the TMG interview. I like to think we're stealing that back, the Movie Guys TMG, yes. from TMZ. Right? Yeah, let's let's take that back. From They've that. got two of your, your 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 company's initials. I just don't like it. I don't, yeah. It's bad. <laughs> I feel like uh, we should be harassing them as they get into a car. Why are you getting into a car? <laughs> yeah, what are yeah. you doing? We're not going to annoy our guests today. <laughs> We've brought them into the studio, and they're uh, talking about a great new indie film that had a hell of a festival run, and now is available for all to see through video on demand. That includes YouTube, Google Play, and iTunes. The film is called Kate Can't Swim. And joining us in studio are two of the busiest names of the creative team behind the movie. Please welcome Josh Hellman and Jennifer Alcott. That's the nicest introduction the I studio think I've ever had. Really? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, I mean, you're quite the creative team behind this. Yeah. Well, let's list your jobs for a second. Co-writers. Oh, boy. That's true. Yes. Josh, director. Yes, director. Both actors. And then Jen did about 17 other things. Yeah, so I was um, one of the two main producers. I also took on the job of hair and makeup as well as costume design. I saw that on IMDb. Wow. Such as indie and, film. And uh, music supervisor. That is an indie mm-hmm. film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was also one of those things that uh, I am just a stubborn asshole sometimes to think, like, I don't want to pay someone to do this thing that I have a clear vision for. And so I just did it. And I kind of regret doing all the things, but um, it's over now, and I don't have to be schizophrenic anymore. So, <laughs> Indie film, you have that option for micromanagement. Yeah. But then, you know, sometimes it's by necessity, too. Yeah. But you have to perform, too. I mean, that's the thing is, like, you know, you, you got to run around. I mean, you have to go do makeup and then go, all right, i got to be on right now and run. You know. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I've said this before. That was one of the coolest things for me because up until this point, I've only acted. This was my first producing and writing, and this is my first filmmaking role ever. I've only acted, and Josh has written a bit, and I've written some sketches, but because I was doing so much on set, Whenever I would be called to set, and you know, our lead, Kate, uh, Celeste Arias, she just straight out of Yale. So she'd be down like doing her warm ups and like was ready to go <laughs> for a call time. Whereas I was like, you know, drinking eight cups of coffee and yelling at people and making sure I didn't have bags under my eyes. And then I'd be called to set and I'd have to think, oh shit, I didn't have that time. But because of that, I think. And because of the environment that we created and all the rehearsals, mm-hmm. it was like a very natural role to slip into. Yeah, those, my scene is up? Oh, I was laying out the donuts in the granola bars. <laughs> Sorry. I, not, right? Yeah, not untrue. <laughs> like someone was at, because I was like the go-to person because I got everyone together. And so it'd be, you know, where's Jen? I have a question about something. You know, I was fielding questions. And I actually would have people ask me, when they asked me questions, I'd say, sorry, who are you asking the question for? And they'd say, oh, uh, writer Jen. Yeah. Or they'd say, oh, this is a question for producer Jen. Or sometimes it'd be like, just Jen, do you have any tampons? You know, like, <laughs> it was very much, I was like ready to go, woke up just ready. Mm-hmm. You did. You we really injected did. coffee into our Yeah, we were mainlining that yeah. shit, that's for sure. And, and making a movie is just impossible. There's no, it's just it, I'm surprised any of them get made, and that's the reason we do the show and stuff like that. It's like, wow, people got this made. Let's give it the time of day. They made an eighth Saw movie? Do you know how hard it is to make one? Right, one? And would, so yeah. we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, so pre- uh, what was your preparation? You've been on other sets, obviously. Yeah. And, and, and you, you know 
what it takes to to do. But it, there's just no preparing a, uh, to do this unless you've made a movie, right? What were all the surprises that came along as as, as you were going through it and going? I didn't know it was this hard. Well, we we I think we really took an approach that was uh, I think ignorance forward in terms Perfect. of we just we just kind of got everything that we thought that we needed and we we totally winged it we'd both been on sets before we earlier that year uh, in 2015 when we shot it we were both on the set of another independent feature uh, just as actors and it was really it was the first time we had really worked together as actors but also it was the first time that we'd been on a set together where we were just our entire job apart from being in the movie and trying not to screw it up was just taking copious mental notes about mm-hmm. what we liked what we thought perhaps we could change and just trying to figure out how we were going to approach our movie going into it. And this was a few months before we started. Yeah, literally like three months before we started rehearsals with the actors for Kate Can't Swim. We were upstate. We took our cats. We were living in a hotel with two cats um, <laughs> in middle of, you know, upstate New York and I... playing love interests in a movie um, that, you know, we had never, we'd only done auditions together before having, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, never had the opportunity to act together. But we poached maybe like 70% of our crew from that movie. I noticed that on IMDb, that, yeah. the, that you two have been in a movie together and that there was some other uh, uh, crossover. But how cool is that preparation? You guys are, you guys are, this is the way things work, I think, in terms of art. You decide, I'm making a movie, I don't care how stupid it is, you write, we're going to write it and here it is and alright, now we're going to shoot, okay, now we don't know what we're doing. And then you get hired to the exact same scenario, a small location, tiny thing. It, it's like it's like the world going. Oh no, you made the right choice. Here's how you do it, just so you you know you can figure that out. That's kind of cool. I don't think we we. <laughs> I think we learned more than than anything on that on that shoot. Whether or not we were just absorbing it through osmosis, mm-hmm. um, but it it definitely gave us that fire that you know thought. Well, they can do it. We can mm-hmm. do it. You know. And it did kind of feel weirdly like a bit of a sign because yeah. it was a last minute thing when we got that film because other actors had dropped out and we knew the producer and. And so very suddenly we were like I th- like two weeks out from shooting the film, yeah. that film, like we found out two weeks before and we just jumped into it and it did very much feel like that. It felt mm-hmm. like the universe being like, okay, go, go see how it's yeah. done and then go do it yourself. And it was a super random, I mean, uh, our one of our co-producers, Golan Ramraz, was uh, producing this film up in Utica. It's called Falling. And it was like, neither of us had read the script. We were literally like reading it on the way up to Utica. Um, Josh had like a bunch of scenes with Paul Sorvino. It was like... <laughs> Which was awesome. <laughs> all of all of these like crazy things coming together. Um, and then also... We launched, you know, uh, our Kickstarter campaign, which is how we funded part of the movie. And we were doing all of this pre-production stuff while filming a, while another, making movie. another movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys had never acted together. And here you are in a dedicated space where you can work on this production of yeah. K Can't Swim. I exactly. think that's just so cool. It worked out that way that it just is like. Here, make your movie. Life's going to kind of give you little boosts to, to get that done. But we probably shouldn't hold back anymore as to what the film is yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. K Can't Swim. Tell us. Uh, okay, so the Kate Can't Swim is uh, a story about uh, two women whose names are Kate and M, and it really kind of revolves around their friendship. Uh, the The film follows Kate as her best friend, who's M, comes back from a year overseas in in Europe, in Paris, and Kate has formally identified as as lesbian. M. Oh, sorry, M. I'm sorry, uh, formally identified as as a lesbian, but she comes back from Paris 
with a boyfriend, and that's uh, my character in the film. And then uh, basically Kate and her boyfriend. And of course, Pete, being in Europe, she met someone from Australia. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. continue. <laughs> Let's not. That is not untrue. Exactly. Not untrue. Australians are everywhere. Yes. Australians are everywhere. I traveled the world for about nine months, and I was surprised at how many Australians I met along the way. Mm-hmm. Met. Mm-hmm. They're out. They're out and about. <laughs> we are definitely out and about. And then the the film basically follows Kate as uh, as she and her partner Pete of five years uh, and Nick and M all go up to uh, Nick's upstate uh, cabin together, and it's basically about how uh, relationships change and things tend to devolve and things start falling apart. Well, what's cool about that is that you guys set up the first couple. Okay, there's there's a little tension, but there we get who they are. You filter in the second couple, and then. Everyone just seems to be having a great time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of keep, well, I'm going to keep watching because something's got to happen yeah. here. Yeah. Well, that where it goes south or it goes haywire or something goes. And sure enough, then things start leaking out slowly but yeah. surely. So it's a good setup. It's a yeah. new couple and, an, and a couple who's been together, a couple who hasn't been together for a while and a couple who has been go away for a weekend. And, you know, the two girls who are best friends struggle with that dynamic and the, the new people and the jealousy and the sexuality. And, you know, it, it kind of unravels. Josh and I used to describe it, um, at, at least when we were coming up with the concept, we were really inspired by, I don't know if you guys saw Force Majeure, like the idea that one tiny incident, whether mm-hmm. or not it's like tiny, it's not that tiny in that movie, but something that is so insidious that it's like a drop of dye in a, in a glass of water, that yeah. it doesn't like ruin it completely immediately, but it slowly just infiltrates, infiltrates. everything mm-hmm. and, and you can't, not drink it. And well, that, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I just want to say also that that too was something that we that I was really interested in structurally because I think that I think that we're often used to stories that in this scenario where things kind of start very poorly and and things kind of explode immediately and we we wanted to kind of subvert that and figure out if there was a way and also the the, the way that we were able to figure that out was really by by being in Kate's point of view the entire time. And so we just kind of like are following her and trying to build up her, her very specific suspicions and, and concerns. And then there's a certain point in the film where we kind of pull you away from Kate's point of view very subtly and then try to go in a more kind of omnipotent point of view. And hopefully we don't notice that, but gradually we kind of want everyone to start seeing the characters on an equal level, even though we start with Kate. So. This is why he was my writing partner. I'm just like a character person. I'm like, no, I don't think she would do that. No, I don't think she would say that. And Josh would say like, well, we have to do something because this is the way the movies work, Jennifer. <laughs> He's the brains, I'm the brawn. <laughs> yeah, I think you are. Sounds like it. Uh, the, the amazing thing, though, is it's, uh, it, you, you know, you talk about that little drop of, of water in the thing. The water has to be, perfectly still for that to be to, for that to be noticed and it is a very slow burn opening as you can see okay these people have naturalistic and it's presented so naturalistically that's what I was very impressed with. I don't know if you're a, a fans of, uh, of of like indie film like uh, like a Duplass Brothers or mm-hmm. something like that like that's very natural or like Gus Van Sant you know that's sort of like you're just with moments for a long time until they turn, mm-hmm. but they but they but they they turn a little more incrementally as it goes until you hit uh, a, a crisis point, basically. But yeah, I want to compliment the film one more time in that <clears throat> respect and play a little clip because uh, I think before we started, I said it reminded me of Noah Baumbach as well because the relationship that the girls yeah. have uh, or women have is like those of Greta Gerwig and the finer Baumbach films, you know, the, and the dialogue overlaps and seems like you said so natural. Was there improvisation? 
So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned Mark Duplass. We were watching a lot of Joe Swanberg. Josh Swanberg, is a huge yeah, Cassavetes absolutely. fan. Yes, yeah, I was... So, I was going to mention that. I was going to say that before the show. I was like, I don't want to go down the wrong. I, and I was going to, what should we talk about? Cassavetes or Duplass Brothers? We, we, I was literally going to say that. We're talking about both. It's the baby of both of them. We both That's come awesome. from a theatrical background. And so we we wanted. So theatrical, to, you pronounce the A. Continue. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. Um, my, my mouth moves faster than my brain. So we wanted to create a world where we could sit with the characters for a while. So we did rehearse with the actors for two plus months. We went to the location. We shot the scenes, you know, like Im- improvisation. So every every scene wasn't scripted, but we knew exactly what was happening. You wrote off of the improv. Yeah. The, uh, a draft. Well, less. well, it was, it was, we, the document that we wrote when we wrote the film was basically like a 45 page, very, uh, very detailed outline that we called a scriptment, which I think is probably, a, we just stole that from, I think the Duplass brothers who call it the same thing. Um, so we, we knew exactly, we had all of the action that needed to be contained in the scene and all of the, the kind of character subtext that was going to happen in every scene. And then we just let the actors try to naturalistically find where those two things overlapped. Which I think uh, gives gives it that realistic vibe, the Bombac vibe that, you know, if I'm, if I'm in a scene and I know that we're, as an actor, I know that we're going to talk about this one thing. But as the character, I'm not trying to just like insert it whenever I just decide to talk. You actually have to listen and you have to like pick up on the cues. And so it's actually more difficult than something that's scripted in a way because you don't have a A plus B equals C. You have more of a, when are we going to talk about this thing? I don't know. And it sucked (laughs) sometimes because we, you know, would shoot something and realize that it wasn't working out. And then we would script it in in such a way. There were a few scenes that we scripted more so than others. Mm. And you're in a dedicated space. This is classic indie to, to get the, 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 the movie moving, or, or to keep your budget down, really, at mm. first, is to a single location, right? That's the, the classic thing. But it also presents the opportunity because you don't, when you're in a movie that's shifting location, 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 if you mess up something back there, that's now a reshoot. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that dedicated space for, I don't know how long were you in the, the cabin shooting, but you can you can go back and get a you could get a feel and you could reshoot something from earlier once the relationship had developed on say days you know 10 11 12 yeah, we did that, did that happen? Times. Yeah, that's yeah. I think the biggest one that was a huge uh sort of not huge but it was definitely like surprising was that Kate and Pete um their on-screen chemistry was so much more than we thought it was going to be like they they really worked in a way that that I think we thought was it was going to be they're clearly like on the rocks and that that's actually it turned out to be a really great thing because it like added to the fact that you know you're able to recognize parts of yourself in each of the characters I think you know no one's really like Superman and no one's really flawed it's everyone has some merit to their character and mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's what worked for us but but we did have to have our like writers like wait a second this isn't yeah. We have to play through the rest of the movie in our heads and be like, okay, how does that affect everything moving forward, and how do we tweak, uh, tweak what we need to in order for it to to take full advantage? of You that. made extra work for yourself. We did, but, but it was <laughs> for quality. Happy, always worth happy it, work. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me play this clip then of when uh, M comes back and meets Kate, and tells her of the new person she met overseas. How was your uh, crazy vacation? Oh my god! Work, everything. I feel done. You know, yeah. good. Yeah? yeah? You feel better about, you know, everything with Sarah? Yeah. 
Yeah. I I haven't said our names in like six months. That is fucking amazing. Yeah. That's really good. great. I um started seeing someone recently. And did you have a fun little rebound in Paris? Did you find a little Parisian hottie? <laughs> um, no, an Australian from the gallery. An Aussie? Photographer. Yeah. How fun. Super fun. Nick. That's a nice butch name. <laughs> For a man, it's very butch. Dating a dude. <laughs> You're dating a dude? Yeah. So that's uh, Celeste Arias, yeah. if mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing that right. And then Grayson DeJesus plays uh, the fourth in the quartet of people who go off to the cabin. So yes. just to mention, because all good acting, though, I don't want to mention his name as well. I'm yeah, just he's super white, and I always say to Jesus because... Well, Lebowski, too, right? I've known him, I've known <laughs> him for years, and you know he was my Romeo understudy when I was the Juliet understudy, and that was Grayson to Jesus and General For real? Alcott. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Luckily, we, you know, we... Didn't but burn it is DeJesus. We should, we should De clarify that. <laughs> yeah. I need to get that in my head. <laughs> was there ever a flu or anything that took out the leads and you guys got to jump in as Romeo and Juliet? You know what? Uh, Juliet was being played by Caitlin Fitzgerald, who is, you know, uh, she's gone many places. She's in the new show Sweet Bitter along with our executive producer, Evan Jonakite. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, like, super stoked to have the role. And I remember looking at her and th- and saying to her like actor to actor like hey if you ever need to take a sick day like i got this this is my dream role i just want one night and she looked at me and she said like yeah that's not going to happen <laughs> and i just remember thinking what field trip could we put them on and then you know put some spikes in the road or something you know i got really i got i went to a dark place <laughs> i love how you're treating the 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 main part in the play like a shift at Little Caesars or whatever, where you're just like, hey, look, I know you want to go to that party on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. I'll take your shift. <laughs> I'll cover it for you. That's I mean, fine. I thought that there was some like unspoken rule that you had to be like, cough, cough, I'm sick. There you go. <laughs> right, right. But she, I mean, it's Julia. It's like, come on, you know, people w- went to see her be adorable and amazing and kick ass. And of course, I probably would have been shitting myself if I got if I got one night to do it, so it's probably for the better that I didn't. Anyway. Yeah. Do the understudies <laughs> just like smoke cigarettes in the parking lot at, while the play's going on, or what? We do were, you even show we up? We were in it. We were in it. We were oh, also okay. given like a four-hour run-through rehearsal where like Grayson and I had to be like, okay, and then we, you know, and we we were just going for it. They let us do the play, but in front of no one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the friendship match. Like, hey, you guys want to do the plane? Go ahead. It's like Rocky Three at the yeah. end. It's like, all right, just between the two of us. Exactly. It's times like that. It's times like that. You say, I'm going to write and produce my own movie. Mm-hmm. Damn, I'm going to star exactly. in it. Exactly. Yeah. That's There'll what be a happened. crowd out here. I looked at Grace and I said, "You, I won't forget you. <laughs> you and me. Bring you back. Five years. Yeah. I will find you. Give me five years, and I'm going <laughs> to Facebook you out of the blue. And then you had a huge festival run. So yeah. tell me about that. We did. We uh, so we we finished the film in in uh, mid to late 2016. Like we got through post production and everything, and and then we submitted it to Slamdance and Sundance, and I mean we submitted it to a lot of different places, and and really we I mean by that point I had kind of lost all objectivity. I thought that it was a uh, I thought that it was solidly done and I thought that it was a a good story but I don't you know I've never been to a film festival like never tried to take a a film to a festival before and didn't know what the selection process was like and was just kind of just holding out hope and um 
and then I remember we were with a friend of ours at I think the oh, the like douchiest LA place at the Alcove <laughs> um, in uh, in Los Feliz, and we got an email saying that um, that Slam Dance had had selected it, and we were just beside ourselves. And that was uh, I think probably November or December, and then uh, and then uh, January uh, yeah January of last year we we took it there and and we had a world premiere and. And it was just the most you incredible. You got the experience. premiere there. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, That's great. yeah. It was incredible. It was my first film festival, actually festival in general. I've never even been to a music festival, so I was just like, "Wait, <laughs> is this like Disneyland for filmmakers? Like, you could just..." I, I'm just really over. I was over overstimulated in the best of ways, but we we met so many great filmmakers at Slam Dance, which is just That's so cool. This the this like champion of a festival it's you know the, it's the dopest festival they had it's so many meetings amazing. beforehand being like this is what you're gonna expect this is how you deal with it we're gonna help you distribute your film we're gonna help you find distributors and we met amazing filmmakers and we got the um uh jury special mention for best narrative feature um and yeah we've we've been to about like seven festivals after that and mm-hmm. won a few more awards we got to finally have our new york premiere at the brooklyn film festival which was kind of bringing it all back because we shot the film when we lived in brooklyn and then we moved to la so we got to go back there and mm-hmm. say say look we did it here <laughs> yeah the brooklyn i saw on the website won best actor so yeah. who won that that yeah, was, uh, that was this me. one. That was you? Oh, okay, best cool. actor, yeah. and we got best editor. Editing Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I, love, I love the editing. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah. Yeah, we, Especially now that I know how it was put together, the work she probably had to do, mm-hmm. so in some cases, to take the best clips from here and there that may have been improvised, well, uh, with yeah. your assistance, of course, but to work with you guys and cobble all that together in oh, no. a way that was stylistic, I, I, I yeah. really was Thank impressed. Thank you for saying that. I, that's that's yeah. something that's hugely important to us. And... And uh, I mean, her name's Joanna Norgel, and she's brilliant. Uh, she's a Brooklyn-based editor, but she, she was, she, she's. I think she's like an absolute genius. But I remember, I remember knowing the exact moment when I knew that she was going to be the person for us. And for me, it was. I went to her website, and she had her bio on the page, and the last line of her bio, I think is um, it's her greatest professional goal to one day work with Roderick Janes. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's and a good in-joke. And that's for the a audience. great in-joke, yeah. For the in-joke, uh, for, the, for the audience, that is the, <laughs> the um, pseudonym that the Coen brothers invent as their editor because they feel like they have too many credits in their film. <laughs> And I remember reading that, and I was like, "Oh, this, this person right? is is for us." 100%. And I love the photo they always put up when Roderick is nominated for an Oscar. Right? right. <laughs> is he's that never a, there? You know, is, there's a photo. He's not. He couldn't make yeah. it. <laughs> Have you ever heard the commentary to Blood Simple, which has a completely fake person, a scholar on the movie? I don't know. Is that Roderick James? Is that the fake voice of I'd have fake? I to watch Roderick? it because I have seen. Yeah. I didn't well, think I heard but it. she did. She basically <laughs> took what we gave her, which we shot on. We t- we shot on two cameras for the the very reason for improv. You have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but but what ended up working was that she did some cobbling, but a lot of the times there was a natural fluidity to a certain take that you just she would be able to pull the majority of the scene from 
those two cameras from the same take as opposed to because we tried it the other way and mm-hmm. you could tell and that yeah. was a huge lesson to us we thought we could just you know cobble together three takes from mm-hmm. the two different camera angles but we were reacting and and gesticulating and doing all kinds of different things it just was a bitch for continuity so. and sometimes you know i also in naturalistic things like this i'm an editor myself i've, I've made this mistake where you go i want to cut straight to the lines da, 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 and you go no, sometimes there just has to be a pause there. Mm-hmm. there sometimes just nothing is happening for a minute, and that's okay, you know? Yeah, that was a big lesson for us, too. You can't just make kind of like a greatest hits, um, yeah. you know, in a sequence for an edit. It, it was a huge lesson for us. We took one one take that was kind of like our, our master. And also the other thing is, I think, in, especially with something that's naturalistic like this, you want to find a rhythm that feels very authentic and i think you can't really do that artificially by cutting together so many things the the rhythm of of speech when it's when it's improvised the way that we did it that's something that i think is a kind of subconscious thing for an audience that makes them really lean in because they don't you don't always get that when you're watching when you're watching something because obviously this scripted lines and you can't actually get there but that was something that we realized was could be a huge asset to us and something we tried to take advantage of. Can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Is this, sure. Can I turn the tables for a Please. second? Can oh, we turn this table? Oh, tables are guys. turned. Guys. So I, I, I'm always a little bit on the fence about talking about the improvisation aspect of the film. Not because I'm ashamed, but I feel like to be in the to be in the um, film industry, it's like oh you didn't have a script, oh, you yeah, just like yeah. shot people talking. But we put some serious heart, serious thought into this, and we rehearsed like crazy people, and not rehearsed to like get it right, but we rehearsed to get the intention right. Mm-hmm. And I feel uh, like there's a judgment from within me. That I might be projecting on other people, but but just like as movie lover guys yourselves, what do you think of when you hear, when you know after the fact that a film uh, was you know say 85, 90 percent improvisation, guided improvisation, whatever you want to call it? What are your initial? I can tell you that yeah. I often don't need to be told. Sometimes mm-hmm. I didn't know that with yours, and I was going to jump in if you didn't say what you just said. Now I was going to jump in after what you said, Josh, about how I'm happy to report uh, that the film doesn't ramble you know and that's I think also the editor and you guys in post making sure it doesn't but that was it was cut together so that if there's any sort of extraneous talk it seems to have been left behind well that's and I think that's crucial yeah that's the thing that we hate about improvisation is that is that it doesn't it feels masturbatory if it's not done well because it's just it seems to be for its own gratification and at the end of the day i mean we spent so much time trying to tell a story where we're not it wasn't uh even though we did so much of it ourselves it really wasn't an exercise in ego we were trying to tell a really the best story we possibly could and we knew that there was an ability to do that with improvisation but not if it was done in a way that rambles because you just lose everybody and yeah so to answer your question I, i would say for me i would be able to tell while i'm watching it and if i can't then you've done it well if I can tell you've improvised while watching, these people are just making it like that's that's bad. Right, but if you go into a film before you see it and you know it, does that change the way that you watch the film? Hmm. I don't know that I've had that. Experience. I don't think so. I think I figured that out, especially something like um, like uh, uh, you 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 know like the Duplass Brothers or mm-hmm. or, yeah. or, or Cascade or something like that. Uh, it, it, there, you 
all you do start to figure out that there's just a naturalism that cannot be captured without some element of improv. Mm-hmm. And to go back to answering your question, it's a little annoying that people throw around improv a lot because everything's improvised on a movie. They're impossible to make. This is falling down and we have to get this shot and the sun's going. No, well then turn them around and shoot this. I mean, that's all improv. You know, that's, mm-hmm. movies are so much improv. So I, I always find it weird when that's sort of press released. Like, oh, we, uh, we were so clever that... You know, and for Paul and I met at the Second City in Chicago, too, like improv has always been demystified for me. So when people say like, oh, this short was entirely uh, improvised or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I know. People can do that or not. It also has to be edited, you know. (laughs) And then inevitably, like the famous line from the movie, you're like, oh, well, did you know that he improvised that? And you're like, well, I'm pretty sure that he did because it's so like organic and off the cuff that it's actually not surprising to me sometimes. But yeah. Yeah. And and case in point, there's a lot of legendary stories. You know, uh, the I love you, I know moment in Empire Strikes Back, which was improvised well what really happened is they cut they were done they were done with that they were about to turn it around and Han and and and, you know Harrison Ford had a conversation and they go oh that's kind of an interesting thing okay well let's get the cameras back up let's go let's try that one line one that's not it you know I mean exactly what is filmmaking if not improvising with the circumstances at hand thank you twist my arm to continue on about Harrison Ford (laughs) but uh Raiders of the Lost Ark the famous shooting of the swordsman yeah he had, he had dysentery. Yeah. No one wanted to be there for the big fight scene. And you can't improvise a, a gun with a shot in it. There's so right. much safety. You can't improvise that. Yeah. You can't just pull it. You know, you go discuss it, and then Spielberg they go shoot. Yeah. They all say, we're all sick. Let's just go home. <laughs> it wasn't done out of laziness. It was done yeah. as a challenge, being yeah. actors who have only worked with scripts. We we're not improvisers. We mm-hmm. like we like scripts a lot, actually, and we oftentimes improvise within scripts, but only with the consent of the director or the writer. And so, mm-hmm. it was a challenge that was outside of both of our comfort zones. So it wasn't something that we were like, oh, well, we don't want to write a script. Well, yeah, it was actually very much like, oh God, are we really doing this? This is mm-hmm. going to be more difficult than just writing a script. Yeah. I can understand your desire to get that point across, though, because, and I should say, as the viewer, and and you'll see it when you view it as well, it does not feel like that sloppy, lazy improvising. You guys have just seen so many movies, and you know, you seem like like you're down to sort of express your real opinion about it. And you know, we've been sitting with with this film for a while, so I'm a little bit less shy about sort of (laughs) (laughs) interviewing the interviewer, so to speak. No, no, please. Well, and, and uh, um, you know, it reminded me, you were talking about film festivals and we talked about the Duplass Brothers. The beginning, is it Baghead, the one where it begins at the film festival and they make fun yes. of all the Q&A questions? I just yes. thought it was so funny because they're just like, they clearly were like at their last festival with a puffy chair or whatever. And they're like, they're getting that and they're like, all right, we're writing a scene for this uh, yeah. next movie because it's directly from their oh. experience at a festival, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you get asked to be improv a lot, I'm sure, like if in the Q&As. We like, don't. Was it we don't. Oh. I think because uh, we don't... We it at the end of the day, it doesn't feel like it was improvised because we knew exactly what we were saying. Yeah, we weren't um, we weren't like oh god, what's gonna happen? It was very much like some of the scenes we only shot once or twice, and those were big scenes. Um, of course, there were scenes that were hundred percent written out. Like one of the scenes, for example, between Nick and Kate, the sort of the where the conflict sort of doesn't come to a head but in the studio the portrait uh, that, that's scene. a great scene exactly yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's that, the scene everyone talks about that needed to have a certain pace to it can we talk about that scene just to uh, to set up for the audience because now we're, we're talking about a scene and, and let's uh, say what leads up to that which is interesting because that's a part of your character as a photographer 
Yes, my character is a photographer who specializes in uh, nude portraiture. Of women. Of women. Uh, yeah, predominantly women. Um, yeah, and there's a there's a scene, I mean, should I just like start? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's such an interesting scene because... It, it is, it is. I mean, uh, I mean, I always get very, I get very like bookish and nerdy about it when I start, try to talk about it because I just keep going back to, I mean, the, the, that scene is uh, is the, like the midpoint of the movie and we designed it to be the moment in which like the tension between Kate and Pete becomes overt because at, up until that point she has suspicions but they're not really, you know, she's she's trying to like chip away at Emma about it but but she's not really getting anywhere and so she just decides to try to almost confront Nick of her own accord. And interestingly, through having him photograph her, yeah. which which she's talking about nude at first, but that's not that's not how it ends up, but she's uh, she's a little more repressed of the of the the duo of of females in it that she's a little more uh, bound up. I think that's a big move for her to say, well, why don't you photograph me? Not even saying whether clothes, no clothes, whatever. Yeah, I think that's an interesting thing for her character to even start into that scene with. I and mean, then it yeah. goes somewhere more surprising from there. To me, it's like, okay, I don't care if this actual situation has happened to a woman, but imagine, you know, for, for being a woman, imagine your best friend comes home, you, you know, she's n- not the kind of friend that's very good at long distance contact, so you haven't mm-hmm. really talked to her in six months, and she's a lesbian, and she comes home and she's dating a man, and doesn't really explain it, and then says, come upstate, we want you to see his um, amazing cabin, uh, where does he have all this money? Oh, well, he photographs women naked, and that's <laughs> where he makes his money. Oh, that sounds like a really nice guy, and but he is a very interesting guy, but being, you know, this friend who is protective of, you know, not just her, her best friend's heart and sexuality, but protective of sort of their, their friendship, their zone. Um, it's, it's interesting because I was talking during the process with Josh about how I think it's very much not just a woman thing, but women tend to come at a problem on multiple angles. A lot of times, um, men are actually very good at sort of focusing on like, okay, I'm going to try this. Nope, didn't work. I'm going to try this. Nope, didn't work. Whereas if the problem is, for example, I don't like this guy and I think that M shouldn't be dating him, she's not going to go straight for the the jugular. No. Instead, it's like, do I flirt, flirt and try to understand, you know, do I want him to like me? Do I want to challenge him and sort of ball bust him? Do I want to show him that I'm the boss and that I know him better, I know her better than him? Or do I want to sort of make him feel small? Like, and can I do those all at the same time? And which noodle is going to stick to the wall, you know? So it's a little bit, it's, it's very confusing being a woman. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> I know you guys don't have experience with that, but let me tell you. Well, the movie captures that very well. Yeah. Because there's a lot of silence between all parties. And, and, and these are two friends that haven't seen each other in a year, you said, right? I think it was a year, Yeah, right? six months or so, yeah. Yeah, and then everything has changed with her. It's like, oh, I haven't seen you in so long and you're completely different. Yeah, exactly. And unrelatable. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is which is what, you know, and you catch that tension. But again, it's a slow burn. Mm-hmm. But that scene where she says, well, why don't you photograph me? And then you see how he, he the photographer gets something extra out of his photos that's not nudity. And you go, oh, well, he's a photographer. I see. I see what he does and why this is interesting. She's just looking at the photograph going, oh, I see boobs. But he mm-hmm. but then 
he puts her through a session where there's some drama there, and then he gets his photograph that way. And again, I think it's so it's I think that wouldn't have worked so well if we weren't really in Kate's point of view up until that moment, because because mm-hmm. we we kind of we do have to understand why she thinks the way that she does. Like there are a lot of things on paper about this guy that you know could be cause for concern, but. That scene, I think, works so well, and and we should also mention. Um, so I, I co-directed the film with our executive producer Evan Jonakite, and he was instrumental to to really making this scene like pop because um, it was so complex. This one, this was the one that I think required the most amount of work because, in terms of like what Nick and Kate are trying to do to each other as characters, and then la- uh, layering on the the kind of the fact that this is apparently a portrait session at the time at the same time there's just there's a lot of moving pieces and there's i think that's why the scene is so dynamic because it's it's like it's a real kind of battle between the two and we sh- we sh- try to shoot it that way as well so um hopefully that came and up until that moment it's a bunch of people who aren't 100% cool with everything that's going on. Yeah. Kate is not 100% cool with her relationship. And it's just small. It's not like they have a, an argument or anything yeah. at, the, at the beginning. Of it. But the but there's all these little things like that. It, it's so interesting how it all comes together like that. It's it's like the slow burn aspect. You realize this is inside all these characters as it starts to like, you go, oh, well, of course. this. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, as you watch them go up into the woods, it's like, man, everybody just seems great. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> What's well, really yeah, wrong? You want to find really out. Wrong. Let's go exactly. find Let's go to yeah. the woods and yeah, the whole movie is, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. We want, it's all fine. We want fine. you guys all to be heartbroken <laughs> along with us in the same yeah. way that, like, if you feel like you've hung out with four people for, you know, 40 minutes and you know them well enough to feel sad no matter what happens or to feel sort of anxious or, you know, and, and I think that while Kate is our main character and we're shooting through her perspective, there's a lot to be said for the fact that, you know, you could be on Pete's side. You could be on mm-hmm. Nick's side. You could say, like, Pete is just, I mean, he's the winner of the situation. He's the one that's, you know, sort of sticking to his guns and being this loyal boyfriend. And, you know, it's so not you, the bad guy. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you can know. kind of just, uh, I think that what's special that we didn't realize until it all came together was that we didn't shoot, you know, we, we made everyone three dimensional. Mm-hmm. And then that's. That's why it feels as rough as it does at the end, because if you didn't relate to everyone and not just like one person, but everyone in some aspect, then it wouldn't hurt as bad or uh, it wouldn't feel as raw as I think it does. See, you know, this seems like one of the things you said Josh would say about the script. And you look at you. You've done me. This is this is. You guys are a great team. <laughs> I, I really. I think that she gives me more credit than I deserve. Yeah. He's very bookish. That, that, that's what I'm He's very. <laughs> let me just tell you. Like he'll he'll say that something goes against the rules, and then in the writing room was basically him saying, "Well, we can't do that because then this, this, and this." And I'd say, "Okay, well, can we? You know, whatever. Like, how much can we bend the rules of filmmaking and storytelling? Because I come from a." a very more more like let's tell a story and make it interesting and like and Josh agrees with that as well but I think because he's a little bit more not mathematic but you're a little bit more strategized um I think it was actually the best pairing because I could be the crazy one that would be like okay okay what if we just do this (laughs) and then Josh would come to me the next day and say okay um I think you know, I don't oh, know. I think God. that someone needs to blank. And I'd, I'd sit there and go, 
no, really? And he'd say, yep, I think that some someone needs to blank, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd fight it for about a minute and I'd be like, that's bullshit. You know what? <laughs> I don't. Okay. Okay. If that's going to happen, here's what I think we should do. <laughs> and there, yeah, you know, it was usually 10 hours idea. later, we'd figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, last thing I want to say about, about Kid Can't Swim, as one who's from upstate New York, where did you shoot? You said you were shooting a, a, uh, another film up in Utica. Yeah, we yeah. were. But on, then, did you go back in that area? No, no, we were we were in uh, around Monroe. Monroe yeah. Okay. York, so, so it was a cluster of lakes, um, and you know there weren't a lot of places to house our crew. We got like a big old rickety Airbnb like mansion, and like you know we actually you lived, put everybody in it we lived in the cabin that we were shooting in yeah. which was hell for the production designer because mm. we were living in the house yeah. um but you know upset nobody sleep on the couch yeah. i have a, to sleep on the couch in a way it was really <laughs> cool because you could as you're sort of walking around just like visualize the next day's work and it we wanted to create a filmmaker summer camp in a way because we're total idealists. We just wanted to have fun with our friends right? and make a movie mm. that everyone cared about. And and everyone we enlisted to be a part of it was a part of it because they were passionate. And, you know, we had the best day off ever. Everyone just, like, jumped in the lake and right? drank beers. And, mm-hmm. I mean... That's what's so great about making movies anyway. Yeah. You're moving this whole army together. Like, I, you know, on, on larger sets and stuff, like, these people have never met. They're all... And we all have to go from this location, this guy to live together and... That's such a cool atmosphere. It's cool to have a compressed version of it, you know, with you guys in the cabin. And I'm sure it added to you guys even getting to know each other better. And you do a day's performance, and then you're just hanging out and having a drink at night. But then you're kind of, you know, thinking about tomorrow's thing. But you're like, well, based on what we did today. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. It's a whole summer camp atmosphere. Everyone was talking about it. You know, like I would be talking to the, the gaffer afterwards, and he'd be like, I don't know. I mean, that scene was so intense. I was really just trying to just hold it together, you know, on the sidelines. And what, so what's going to, so are you guys going to, you know, and like everyone's just invested in, in the plot in a way that's really exciting. And, you know, I think when we stopped shooting after the 16-day shoot, we all just like slept 12 for day. eight, <laughs> 12 days. I thought it was 16. No, 12. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I think I slept for the other four. 12 after. days <laughs> up, at the, up at the woods? No, 12 days total. Total? Yeah. Good Lord. Nine uh, days. Nine well days done. at the cabin, three days in Brooklyn. Damn. Yeah. Nice well, we um, we didn't fuck up the planning, I guess. <laughs> I had a small gun to Josh's back the whole time. He kept being like, it's not ready. It's not, it's ready. It's ready when I say it's ready. This yep. is a real water gun. <laughs> and now a year after Slam Dance, it's out there. Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, etc. cetera, uh, all the VOD platforms. Mm-hmm. Did a deal from Slam Dance cause this, or was it something you came across later? No, well, it was it was interest uh, after we, we won the jury's honorable mention, and, and then we had a few people interested, and then we were lucky enough to get a distributor from that. And I, I saw on uh, Twitter you had a, a writ- handwritten thing from one of the reviewers. Is that Slam Dance? That's a really cool artifact. Yeah. I thought that was cool. It's I mean, it's just v- verbose with how uh, wonderful the movie is. Oh, in we couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was. It was uh, one of the, the jury members. Do you have it memorized, oh, Josh? Wow. Um, no, I don't. I'm not going to try to. <laughs> it's glowing. It's great. It re- uh, we couldn't. We couldn't believe it. I mean, because they also they announced the honorable mention before they they announced the the grand winner um, for narrative features. And you know, he started talking, Jason Coleman, and he 
and like he was he just kept being like is this wait sounds a lot like us is this us is this us and then he like and then he announced at the end when you go to a festival you're just sort of just happy to be there and so to win to win something from slam dance with uh, against you know alongside so many amazing films uh it really is fantastic i mean we're just stoked that people that non you know uh film festival folks can see it now because I think it's a really relevant film to women, to men, to re- to people in relationships, to, you know, we're getting people, you know, from the LGBT community, but also people who who don't, you know, never, like, I think I, when we screened it in Omaha, I had this old man come up to me, he's like, that was a really interesting film, I thought that that was fantastic, and I, and I wasn't sure if he knew that I was also in it, but, because I was there as a filmmaker, and I was like, thank you, thank you, don't look at me too closely, yeah, no, I'm just, uh, the producer and the writer, <laughs> but it was, it's, it's gotten a big response, and mm. we're hoping that, you know, it, it moves people in such a way that, makes you feel okay about you know the fact that you know you never really have it all together <laughs> well, like any about 400 movies you should pass on and watch this instead that <laughs> there are out go. there from 2017 and thank 2018 you. thank you yeah uh, that's a compliment yeah i mean I'll come take on it. I, 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 these hollywood movies are dumb right they're dumb <laughs> this is not dumb they're playing yeah. a different game than this one yeah, uh, you know it's a that's, very that's different that's game yeah. but let's uh, but i we would not be movie guys if while we had you here josh we didn't talk about some of your other career yeah. highlights for sure. just a second because uh, <laughs> right. uh, going from indies to to big time uh, movies of course we all know that you played striker William. <laughs> <laughs> you timed that so perfectly as I was thinking what I could have spat it all over your equipment. Uh, <clears throat> so that's, of course, William Stryker from the last two uh, X-Men films. Yes. Uh, Apocalypse and Days of Future Past. Yes, that's right. It was, uh, it, yeah, that was an incredible experience. And because of the, the kind of like lineage of the version of the character that I was playing, I think that I'm playing like the young Brian Cox as opposed yeah, to young yeah. Danny Houston, which yeah. I think is amazing. There's no bad choice there. Really. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, not at all. <laughs> exactly. I just, I, no, find I, know, it, I find it just interesting. The the it's statue. Yeah, the uh, yeah. It's, oh, that's uh, true. You're right. It's how yeah. you met Evan Jonakite. Yeah, that is actually how we met Evan Jodakite, who co-directed the film and is our exec producer, and is also a, a, like an incredible actor. Yeah, yeah. Oh. he he. We were both on the. He was in Days of Future Past with me. Um, he, he played, played Toad. Toad, right? Um, and he was that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't really, yeah. And yeah. and he's f- fantastic in it. And we arrived on the same plane from from New York and landed in Montreal. And we were sitting on opposite aisles and. I kept sneaking glances at this guy because I was like, "Man, this guy's like so handsome." And he's like, "Seems like he's, and he's really doing cool. the same thing." Look and then we, we <laughs> I don't know about that. But then we landed and we both got to customs at the same time. We both got told to go to this certain office together at the same time. And then we both walked up to the counter at the same time. Both got asked the question, "Why were we in Canada at the same time?" And we both said we're working on a movie. And then we like it was uh, like a serendipitous <laughs> moment where we both turned to each other and we're like. X Men, and he was like X Men, <laughs> and then uh, and then we geeked out uh, with each other for months. And you know, well, both Zasha and I um, got a call that night that we ended up talking about. That like Josh called me and Evan called Zasha, and we're like, so I met someone at the airport, and <laughs> and he's like my he's best friend, really cool, <laughs> and we have to be best friends, and you have to be best friends with his girlfriend, and yeah. it's gonna be like they live in Brooklyn and we live in Brooklyn, and it's gonna be so much fun. 
<laughs> did like, you? Okay. Uh, so, and then you got to work with, uh, you know, the whole cast is there, but that movie likes hiring Australians. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose that's true, yeah. yeah. Is that intimidating, a big movie like that? I mean, what was your, uh, uh, had you been on a big set at that point? At that X-Men? point, yes. In fact, you know, what was hilarious about it was that I had actually shot, uh, I had shot Mad Max oh, okay. the year prior. I was wondering, yeah. And I'd been, and so I was in Namibia for five months and then South Africa for a month. So it was a six-month um, ordeal making that film, which is one of the most incredible experiences both personally and professionally. You but don't say. What was, was so special about it? Yeah. <laughs> but I was on growing s- up Australian, being in a Mad Max movie. I mean, what? What? How did that I impact? Still, yeah, we'll get back to that. I still don't understand how I'm even here right now. Um, but I was working on that film with Nick Holt, and and he was play, he played Nux in oh. the film in in Mad Max. Right. And what a lovely day. So we had a lot of. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And then so we had a lot of uh, stuff together, and and I just think he's one of the most wonderful people on the planet. And then he told me as we were finishing up. X, uh, Mad Max, he was like, yeah, I'm going to go do X-Men. I remember being like, oh, I'm so jealous. I love those <laughs> movies. I saw the original one in the theater. I've seen everyone in the theater since they came out, with the exception of Wolverine, the first Wolverine. Um, I didn't see that in the cinema. Slacker. Uh, I went to go see it twice, <laughs> and it's not good. <laughs> yeah. All Danny Houston aside. But they've, they've, they've definitely exonerated themselves. Yeah. Um, but I, I was just like, yeah, I'm so jealous. That would be amazing. And then and then I got a, an audition for it, and I remember like texting Nick and being like, I got an audition. And uh, and I auditioned for it. And I the story about that is that I auditioned for a completely different role, which has happened a couple of times to me. I auditioned and ended up getting juggernaut and i was due to play juggernaut which th- i haven't told this story are you so that tall i'm not that <laughs> i tall, mean you're tall but, but he's i was th- he's the by, mind you he thought he was going to be juggernaut for a good couple of weeks so Did there was just a start lot walking of around protein Sam? and a lot of <laughs> bodybuilding yeah going on I, and I, <laughs> I found a personal trainer straight away and was like i have like three months just do whatever you can to make me a large human being. And so I think it was four weeks that I was training with this guy. And then I got a phone call from my agent and, um, and he said, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is that they've rewritten the script and Juggernaut's no longer in it. And I was like, huh. that's fairly bad. What's the, what's the, <laughs> that's what's not good, the news. good news? Which one is that? And they said, well, they'd like to see you for another role. Um, and a producer's going to come down and you're going to do a session with, with Lauren Shula Donna, which was incredibly intimidating. And then I found out that it was Stryker and I went in and, and read. And, it, and wait, then, it was who? Give me a position. The name's Stryker. I'm sitting down and facing front. <laughs> Why would you want to know that? Stryker. Stryker, 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 Stryker. It's so good. I can, I'm playing the entire video of that totally. as you play it. Um, it's so good. So wait, <sighs> now we talked about, oh, it's so hard to make a movie. And then uh, somebody makes Mad Max Fury Road. Somebody impossible. named George Still impossible. Miller. Yes, I know. It's, uh, it is one of the most incredible feats I've ever born witness to. It I love incredible. that that movie just made one six Oscars. Me too. One from six everybody. Oscars. Yeah. And so many Aussies, one after the other, got on stage and accepted them. And goddamn, I was proud of that. <laughs> I, I have to back up real quick. You're a kid growing up in Australia, right? I am. What are you watching on VCRs in, in Australia in, in the 80s? 
Mad Max, Mad Max 2. Right? And then early 90s, Mad Max. Beyond Paul, would you like to be in an Indiana Jones movie? Oh, would yes. you like to be in a Mad Max movie? I mean, come <laughs> yeah. on. Wow. That was incredible. And and that was such a an amazing turn of events too because I was actually it was the the second year that that Jen and I were dating and I was in Australia making in in Indy at the time. And I had, I mean, everyone and their dog had recorded an audition and sent it into the ether for Mad Max Fury Road, myself included. The way that that audition process worked, do you mind if I tell you a quick story? Because it's kind of interesting. Please. The audition process <laughs> was so movies. interesting. Yeah. About movies? Let's go for it. Why not? We got, I, we got, sent, uh, we got sent basically a ch- our choice of five monologues, essentially, and they were all from different films. And we were told to choose any monologue that spoke to us record it, do our version of that, and then also include a one to two minute anecdote. Anything. Could be funny or sad, they said. And send it in. Which I, rem- I, I remember mean, this. I'm having flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> so automatically, I'm like... What well, monologue do you insane. go to? Me? I did. I did. I went. Uh, I'll go Pat Chayefsky every time. I did uh, Howard Beale from Network, and it was the, yes. you know, the infamous. Um, Were you shirtless I'm not take when it anymore. you? You have. Metal. I'm getting to it. <laughs> you have um, meddled with the forces of nature. Is that the one? Yeah. Oh, no, it was, oh, no, it was, Howard uh, Beale. It was, uh, um, it was like a, a, a dollar buys a nickel's worth, and yeah. and then you know it leads down into. I mean, it's it's a beautifully written. I mean, the whole film is incredible, but the but just and um, yeah, the Mattis yeah. speech. And so I thought, well, it's a monologue. What am I going to do with this? That's interesting. And I just had this idea that because I'd I'd recently bought my first like iMac computer, and I was like, okay, here's what I'll do. I'm gonna pretend that I'm gonna do it as if I'm some kind of like crazed internet blogger who's just like like you know pre-alex jones is if that's his name um kind of stuff where i was just like i i took off my shirt and i like had this desk lamp and i put it up so it was like lighting me from below and you know i was i was a lot fitter at the time and uh and i like did my hair back and i just kind of like basically ranted as if i was just like going off at the state of the world and and then I sat down and I told uh, an anecdote about uh, when I was a teenager and I in Australia there were these pasta sauce ads for this brand Legos and it was all these Australian personalities who were would speak Italian and so and it was all subtitled and everything but but half of these celebrities I mean I think probably ninety nine percent of them didn't speak any Italian fluently so they had just learned it phonetically and we had our, an ex prime minister Gough Whitlam who was like Quachilla pasta a Gigi la salsa a Miss Calando Benet and. <laughs> And so, and I just thought these ads were the best. So I found one, I found one by this actress, Kate Fisher, and I recorded it on my VCR at home because I'd heard that a girl at school found Italian sexy and I was a very chubby kid. This must've been around like 14 or something. And so I recorded it. I learned it phonetically over the weekend so that I could come in and recite it as if I was speaking Italian on my phone as she walked past. Basically, things men do. I know (laughs) things men in in love do. Yeah, and so (laughs) I uh, and I did this, and of course it failed miserably. Like you know, I can you do it for us, Josh? Please. um, Questo cucile pasta di salsa mescolando bene. Questo sicchi un balinizio ecopato e così ricco di sapore che non bisogna ingiungere proprio niente per tre o quattro persone o una. I have no idea what any of that means. And I'm slightly turned on. I would also like to apologize to anyone who speaks fluent Italian for that abomination that I just dropped on you. You have to say mi dispiace. Mi dispiace. 
That's um, probably wrong as well. Um, well, it's your fault if it is. Far from um, course. But and so I and I still I think I'll remember that to the day I die. Uh, but but that was the anecdote that I sat down and told was was about how I'd, uh, I'd learned that and Italian. George Miller form. was just tickled. Well, no, I don't. Well, actually, no. Here's the other thing that was interesting. So I send this tape off. Don't hear anything, of course, when I figure I never will because there's, you know, a million other actors uh, who want to be a part of this. And then I'm months, probably like five, five months later, I'm in Australia making this film and my Australian agent calls me and says, um, Kennedy Miller, the production company, wants to fly up to Sydney this weekend for an audition for Fury Road. And I'm like, okay. So on Saturday I go up and it turns out to be a six-hour ordeal um like an, an incredible incredible thing there was no script nothing to to learn no lines or anything like that i was with two other actors who both looked as as well, they both looked terrified i was more excited than terrified but showed up there we were met by the the dramaturg and the co-writer nico lathuris and and george wasn't there and so he basically told us the story and he just spent an hour telling us the story about the world and the mythology and all the different kinds of people who were there about Gastown and the Bullet Farm and the Citadel and all this sort of so stuff. Cool. And, and we're just, I mean, I'm, and the other, I think the other two guys are like sitting, sitting back like, okay, okay. So this is and really like, Mad Max. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, who's that? And what, who, what is that person? Okay. All right. I understand. And I just kept asking him like a million questions trying to understand it. And then for the remaining like four and a half hours, we did all of these improvisation games would like jump around he'd give us lines to like yell at each other and we had to like try to achieve different objectives with it was like a meisner class for four hours and i mean i was like i was i was like i can't screw this up because there's no lines to figure out there's nothing so i'm just gonna go balls to the wall insane yes because when you see the not film, even knowing who the, you're going to play yet. No, yeah, not, yeah. exactly but it's true you don't know the end result yet but when you watch the movies like the audition just has to be come in and be a maniac. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, pretty much. And so I just I just went insane. And I was just like jumping around. We were running up to like running upstairs and running downstairs. And there were like three guys with little handheld cameras who were just like following us, you know, hoping that they uh. weren't going to get swatted by an errant limb in the process. <laughs> and uh, and then at the end of the day, at like 6 p.m., they were like, thank you very much. And we all said thank you. And then we <laughs> left. I went straight back wow. to the airport, went back to down to, to Melbourne. And then the follow that was a Saturday. And then on Wednesday, I got a phone call. I had a missed call uh, and I picked it up and called my agent back and, and she was just giggling. And I could hear the like three other agents all giggling behind her. And, giggling. And yeah, and she because she was like uh, over the moon and she told me that I'd had the offer um, that offered me a role. And I was just like, oh, my God. But I didn't know what the role was. So I asked her and she says, I have no idea. Nico is going to is going to Skype you this afternoon, and he's going to tell you what you're playing. I'm like, okay. Did fantastic. you know that you weren't Max, or were you like, wait a second? <laughs> <laughs> wait, am I going to be Max? Um, and so that's what I would have thought. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm oh my god! Totally There's a chance I could be Max. <laughs> so I uh, so I I get on the computer and I'm I'm I Skype with Nico and. And I know that Tom Hardy is playing Max, oh, okay. who I uh, have just adored because 
talking about film festivals, I went to the Melbourne Film Festival in 2009. That was the first festival I went to. It's one of the best festivals, I think, that exists. And I saw 30 movies over the course of the, you know, two that's weeks or whatever. That's a great thing about film festivals. Yeah, it was. It was Intensive. one of the best experiences of my, my life. And I saw Bronson for the first time there. Oh, and so I was just like, this guy is like the new Brando. And never so, bad. Ne- Tom Hardy. Never. No, ever. No, and not just never bad. Always, there's always something brilliant. You just have to look out for it if it's not yes. completely Retract obvious. and repeat. Always brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Tom Hardy. <laughs> always brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and so I'm Skyping with Nico and he's 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 just telling, he's like, okay, so your character's going to be, is called Slit. And he's called Slit because he, he really likes knives. And he's got some cuts on his side. And uh, he's like carved a bunch of stuff into his stomach. And that's kind of is his thing. Is this really the way he talks? He's very <laughs> soft-spoken and genial. Like he's, he's just like very, very polite and, and lovely. And I was like, okay. And it's funny, like, these huge dramatic things he's talking about. But he's just yeah. got to present to everybody today. So he's a mass murderer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and you try and save the world. Cool. And so you're, you and uh, you and Nux are going to tie Max to the front of the car. Mm-hmm. And um, he's going to be kind of like a human blood bag. And then uh, you're going to go across. And then he's going to get uh, loose. And you and Max are going to have this big fight on the roof of the moving car. And I'm just like... Because I know Hardy's Max, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, not only am I in the same film with this dude, but I'm going to be, like, engaging in hand-to-hand combat with him, which is a terrifying thought because I've seen Bronson. And so <laughs> so I am I just kind of, like, uh, I just don't know what to think. And then, and, and then you know, from there I just got to go and, and... Cut to six months later, I'm like, you know, coming home from a shift at the restaurant that I was working <laughs> in L.A., and you know, an 18 hour difference or whatever it was. Hey, honey, what'd you do today? Well, so I asked him if I could do my own stunt and it was really cool. So what the stunt was, the car was going about 30 or so, I don't know, in miles per hour. This is, I'm not doing my Josh, you know, he's got a charming Australian accent. But yeah, and so, I, but I just- The car I, I, was going. The car was going. Not a pirate. I wanted, I wanted to see if I could do it. So, mate, so what, mate, matey, whatever. What was the stunt? Well, I was just, you know, I just got on top of the car and, you know, they wired me, but I had to like go and spit fuel into the, you know, engine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. While you know the car is going and, and there's flames, that, and I just thought, okay, this is this is not <laughs> like real. He's I mean, until level. but I'm sorry, honey, did you have to exactly. 86 any items or anything? I want to talk about you. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't realize until I went and visited him that it's it was as maniac in real life mm. as it looked on screen. It didn't really do much to fluff it up. I mean, it, I just remember thinking. This is an insane person's fantasy, and it's gonna blow up. Well, didn't didn't when you arrived, you arrived as we were shooting like a big armada right. sequence, so, and they're like sixty. Yeah, so uh, I went with another girlfriend who was visiting at the time, and we were in like a forerunner, and we showed up to set, which by the way was like an hour into the desert. Both <laughs> of us were like, I don't know what the they're GPS that isn't way. working. <laughs> we just followed these like weird signs in in Namibia, and and we go into the middle of nowhere, and we see this like cloud of dust, <laughs> and so we pull up on this main road, and the base camp is to the right, and you see all the white tents, and just to the left of the main road, there's about two hundred. 200 extras in about like 60 or 70 cars 
and they're about to start the convoy. So you have everyone who looked like, you know, a war boy, like dressed up, screaming like their life depends on it. Fire is coming out of the engines. Our car starts to <laughs> the shake. The guy playing guitar. I mean, <laughs> we both look at each other and we're like, oh my God, are we going to be in the scene? Are we going to be in the scene? Because we're in this like, we're the, these two girls, maybe like 50 feet away from the nearest car. You can feel the engines and, and someone's just telling us like, go that way. And we're like, no, we just want to look at this. This is amazing. Thelma and Louise, Fury Road. Oh my God. Yes. When I just realized it would have made the most incredible like commercial crossover it, with like a car company could you could have taken such advantage of that of like just shot the entire thing and then have like a Nissan like pull ahead of the curve and it's like Nissan yeah. <laughs> hey guys wait up you can have yeah. a car in the desert yeah. after it goes by hey guys we should have just up. pulled over and asked them for directions or something yeah. uh, you didn't just fight Tom Hardy though you fought one of the people we love here at the movie guys your last chance to walk away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kidding, it's five against one. It's three against one. How do you figure? Once I take out the leader, which is you, I'll have to contend with one or two enthusiastic wingmen. Last two guys, they always run. Remember, you wanted this. <laughs> Come on. Come on. That's the greatest. I, and anybody uh, who gives uh, Tom Cruise a hard time for not being like 6'5 or whatever Reacher was, after he kicks your asses, that low angle shot says it all. Whenever I'm <laughs> really mad at him, I just rewatch that scene and I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> That's yeah. That was uh, that was the first film that I that I did in the states, and and uh, that was I mean that that itself was kind of a dream come true because I've always had such an incredible respect for for um, for writers. I wanted to be a writer before I was an actor, and mm. and it's something that I I love dearly. And certainly we couldn't do our jobs as actors without you know incredibly talented writers who seem to not get the credit that they deserve a lot of the time but um so for me to get to work with uh with christopher mcquarrie on that was yeah like uh, i mean i was more excited to work with mcquarrie than than with cruise you know to be honest with you although working with tom cruise was incredible uh <laughs> getting kicked in the balls by tom cruise was incredible um it did happen it did happen <laughs> it and big. and not only did it happen it happened Probably close to eighty times. I mean, not not by him specifically. It was probably like sure. ten or so. People dress like him. But no, no, no. You got right understand. when Jen and her friend drive up in the car. Hey, there's another. Oh, yeah. he's no, no, that ball. was another phone call where I said, "What did you do today, honey?" And he said, "Well, I have this really cool contraption, and I swear to God, I can't feel anything. I just, it's amazing. I keep telling people to kick me in the balls, and I keep, and I'm on the other line Movie in magic. Los Angeles thinking." All right. So, well, I guess he doesn't want kids that bad. So <laughs> but it was because I'm I'm wearing this thing that's basically it's it's a uh, do you know what these rigs are that basically uh, loops of it's it's made out of seatbelt material so huh. it's incredibly strong and there's two loops uh, it's just a strap with two loops and you put it inside your pant legs and they loop around your ankles and so it uh -huh. runs on the inside of your jeans uh, like up and down the the thighs. And so you stand at a certain distance and you have to make sure that the width that you're standing apart is very precise, otherwise you're in trouble. Um, too narrow and you're in a world of pain. But if you do it, someone can kick you as hard as they want and it feels like it, all it feels like is someone tugging on your ankle, on the oh, bottoms of your feet. 
That's all it feels like. Wow. And so once I realized that and got over the fear of the initial time, I mean, I was like, come, Everybody. have a go. <laughs> come over, have a, have a go. You guys get some of this. Have a yeah. go. There was like a everywhere. lot of women expressing their inner, inner rage <laughs> yeah. that day. Anyone get off a phone call with someone you're upset at? Come yeah. on over, I'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> Let me help you. Um, no, that's, that's awesome. another movie. Yeah, no. That's another Tom Cruise yeah, movie. No. But yeah. I mean, getting beat up by Jack Reacher and uh, Mad Max, that's what those two characters do. They beat people up. I mean, it's that's like getting, you know, like uh, thrown up on by uh, John Belushi or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Yeah, that's like, it's a trademark move. Yeah, I know. And I got I got kicked by uh, by Jen Lawrence in uh, in Days of Future Past. So I feel like True. I feel like getting I got kicked in the face by by Max in uh, in Fury Road. He kicked me off the car. So I feel like, like getting kicked in movies back. is like yeah. my thing. You should have punched somebody. Kate can't swim just to make up for all those times you've <laughs> been punched. Have. I should have kicked someone. Yeah. Well, yeah. he throws Kate I in the water. To. It's true. This is true. That's it's like true. marginally aggressive. <laughs> for that movie, it's very yeah. aggressive. <laughs> yeah. for, for Kate yeah. can't swim, it's very, well, for the title, it's very aggressive. <laughs> Little known fact, yeah. we only shot that once because, you know, getting an actress's hair wet is a big deal. But the time we shot it, uh, I don't know if you can slow it down and notice, but her her like bikini strap gets Did, unhinged when he throws her in. Didn't have to slow it down. Just, I saw it. Yeah, exactly. I, I must have done it in character because uh, that's the only way I think that was possible. But what was funny is we shot it. We shot the reverse angle. We shot it twice. Once when I was actually throwing her in, and once where we stopped short so that we wouldn't wet her hair. And the two takes that we use were the two takes from each from a different angle where I accidentally unclasped her. It just happened that way. <laughs> That's I, what he says. That's what he says. Sure, In Mr. Photographer, sure. <laughs> <laughs> She yeah. seemed awfully clothed during that uh, photography session. <laughs> and it's not session. like she would just be driving by. She's literally right there watching. She's yeah. watching all this. Yeah, thanks. This thanks for yeah. that. By the way, I, I have to say, this is a very uh, uh, attractive cast. You you both are very attractive. I I, I, I was very much enjoyed. I, I they, There's too many ugly people in indie movies. No, that's not my point. No. <laughs> No, but my point is, this is, I I do love, by the way, when, and you were, you were a a strapping uh, specimen of a man, okay? Mm, Uh, Let me just say. But, but the, uh, Kate is the repressed one, so there was a moment where Kate and, and, and you are alone, and you're coming back from a run, Mm. you know, and just take this shirt off in front of her, and I love that, and it's good editing and directing and everything like that, that Kate immediately breaks eye contact mm-hmm. and she talks to him like this. They say, well, yeah, nope, that's good. That's good. That's good. But you never, yeah, after he takes his, I mean, anyway, I just, I thought like little moments like that, like you're all very attractive people. Well, <laughs> Josh still had his uh, striker haircut. That was residual. Oh yeah, I came from, straight from, from Apocalypse. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I look at it and I go, why, why did you, oh right, because you have <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the 1980s, that was the one that was oh, yeah, in the 80s, 80s right? Yeah. The Apocalypse? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or Apoc, I don't know. Yeah. What do you kids call it? The X Men? <laughs> <laughs> What's that film? All right. Before we wrap things so up, so they I do used have a to question. be men, and now they're not men. <laughs> the X Men. Oh, I have I a lot of X Men. Yes. Let me tell you. <laughs> like I have told that I have to vote against the X Men. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, we are not allowed to separate bathrooms. Uh, let me ask real quick. What we ask everyone who comes on the show: What is your favorite movie of all time? Jen, go. Whoever would like to jump in. I see. Uh, I see only one answer to this because I, I consume movies like uh, like food in a way, and Ooh. I like good food. I don't like food that hurts me, uh, but I do sometimes <laughs> like food that like GMOs you know, in your movies. Uh. I like I like weird food and international food and tasty food, but 
The kind of food that I can eat so any like day. I don't know. I smell, I smell <laughs> Babette's feast coming. <laughs> this is going to get pretentious. <laughs> I guarantee you it's not Babette's feast. The kind of food that I know that I could eat any day of the year at any given time and see in any hotel room television and say, Heck yes, I'm watching it, is Back to the Future. Ah, and screw you fantastic. if that makes me a five-year-old because oh, no, I no. love no, it. I'd never defend that. It is. Perfect. It's perfect. That oh, script yeah. is incredible. Yeah, nothing yeah. out of play. That script. Yeah. Ooh, Last summer I hosted an outdoor screening of it, so I saw it very recently, and I just went, you can't <laughs> cut you anything, can't. you can't no. add anything. No. It's perfect. Yeah. It's absolutely perfect. It's and incredible. And you look at that movie now, knowing what you know about movies and having uh, been in huge ones and made your own and stuff like that, everything was going wrong every day on that perfect <laughs> yeah. movie and to the point where they cut out 40% of it with Eric Stoltz mm-hmm. reshot. I mean, yeah. that yeah. is a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the great, one of the greatest movies of all time. And Michael J. Fox was on Family Ties <laughs> yeah. during the day and then coming in, he was like yeah. sleeping like three or four hours a night. And oh, they, yeah. they're just like, let's just end it with the car flying into the air. That would be so <laughs> cool. We don't have to make another one. It's just like, screw yeah. it. Let's do something weird. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And then you have this. I I love all three, and I could probably watch all three any day of the year. But there's nothing like oh, the first yeah. one. It's mm-hmm. just there you go. That's, yeah. that's a common thing. The, the first of a series. There's something like. Uh, sure, I like Superman too, but Superman one is that wide. The Christopher. What Reed, about Evil mm-hmm. Dead? Evil Dead, whole different animal. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, no, I see what you're saying. See, I see yeah, what that's you're saying. That's a tricky one. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a tricky one. Yes. But that is some of the, I mean, having asked this question because two, by time 200 times plus, I mean, Does that's that come the, up a part lot? of the criteria. Well, the movies come up a lot. Yeah, but the criteria also, just if it's on, I'm in for an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, in for yeah, a, yeah. You know, Look, I could yeah, say something right. really pretentious yeah. and make me look super cool, <laughs> which, sorry, Josh, that's what you're going to do. I don't think that's but what you're going to do. So tell us about cinema parody. Hannah takes the stairs. What do you think? Josh, what do you got? These are all good options. Um, uh, of course, it's an impossible question, but I think that for me, it's uh, it's Boogie Nights. Oh. Ike Barinholtz's favorite movie. I Is remember. That right? He's one of the ones that said, Oh, uh, well, Boogie I'm in Nights. good company. Yeah. yeah. That movie's cool. outstanding. It good is. Lord. In fact, oh. I've, I. I know that he's gotten a lot of praise since, but I don't think Paul Thomas Anderson has quite matched that movie for me. There yeah. will be blood, it's great and all that, but it's just odd and and, and Boogie Nights is just so... I want to just hug it. I love it. Well, it's this... Uh, it's this... All of this sort of 70s uh, amazing like uh, porn and this atmosphere and all this sort of stuff, but done by the guy that directed uh, There Will Be Blood. I mean, it's yeah. got this whole yeah, uh, epic quality about it. The gel it. of the cast, though, I think is is the, the kicker, is that, like, if Mark Wahlberg wasn't... You know what I mean? Like, you have to have... In order to have the like snarky, you have to, it has to work on all fronts like a color wheel in a sense. Everything has to have a complementary color. In that film, every character has their sort of complementary person. And it's not just like, Ooh, like we're one one kind of people. It's I think like, part of the reason that I love it too is knowing it's just knowing the story that it came off the back of him getting fucked on on Sydney or Sydney. Hard Eight, his yeah. you know his first movie, and then yeah. just being so protective of it. But to me, it's it's not uh, it's really not classical storytelling. It's um, I mean it's brilliant storytelling. Don't get me wrong, but it's 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 complex in so many ways. It's a film about family. That's a also about mm-hmm. porn, but it's really about this kid who wants to find a mom and a dad. And it's it's just, it's one of the most beautiful, funny, ridiculous films. And it is full of incredible performances. 
across yeah, the board. Yeah, I think for like to your point, Jen, you got John C. Rowley, who we goof around with, then Philip Seymour Hoffman breaks your heart. Exactly. Right? Oh and God. they're sort of in similar colors on that wheel, that the metaphor that I just made up right now. But yeah, it, I think that it's that, that the casting in that movie was so spot on. Mm-hmm. And okay, well, Tom Jane. Back, back to the Future, <laughs> not Jane. different. Not different. <laughs> not different. No, no, no. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to like outdo you or anything. Yeah, it's it's also interesting, you know, like John C. Riley. Nobody knew who he was. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. There's untested. He's been in one movie at that point. That's a fascinating mm-hmm. cast. Fear in right? terms of huh? Fear. Yeah, fear. Yeah. Oh, well, so, uh, didn't he do the the DiCaprio one, Basketball Diaries? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. He did. But nothing quite like this. No, I mean, no. no. But it, but it's still it. untested, you know. And even like, uh, is is that pre or post Fargo? I guess that's. It's Post the year after, yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, it's somebody like uh, William H Mace or something wasn't yet the William H Mace. Well, everybody knows him now, you know. It's so yeah. fascinating. Don know? Cheadle too. Don Cheadle, know. yeah. And it's, it has one of my favorite shots of all time, which is Wahlberg at the end, just in, watching Alfred Molina play the mixtape and throw the firecrackers, oh. and Paul Thomas Anderson with the confidence and the balls the size of Cincinnati just stays on him for yeah. like a minute, As minute and, and, just, half. and you see and him zone. He just leaves. The, yeah, he the leaves gears his are turning body completely, and then comes back. It's yeah. incredible. Sorry, what do I, didn't I do? Mean to no, no, it's a great shot. Join in. That's that's but, the best. But the the also the suspense. I mean, you know, this is a masterful filmmaker uh, doing something that's very offbeat. But the whole firecracker scene, the suspense of that is awesome. Yeah, I love all the firecrackers, and of course, does everybody remember? Nobody says anything about the firecrackers. It just keeps making everyone yeah. a little stir. And finally, Alfred Molina addresses it. And what does he say? He's Chinese. <laughs> like, like, that explains That's right. it. He does it in that way, too. He's like, he does that, actually. Yeah, like, he does the... He's Chinese. He's Chinese. <laughs> like, that explains it. or anything. Like, that helps it all. Like, oh, oh, good. Okay, cool. I got it. You're not going to kill us then. Oh, my God. We haven't even mentioned Burt Reynolds yet. I guess that's a whole no. other thing. Good Lord. I have to say Burt Reynolds for another conversation. All right. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps another TMG interview (laughs) uh, where we hopefully we didn't annoy our guests out in front of their house like TMZ would. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to go out to the house. I'll take my phone and I'll just say, "Hey, where are you, why are you getting in a car? What are you, where are you going now? What are you doing?" That's all TMC is. What are you doing right now? <laughs> Follow us uh, here at the Movie Guys on Facebook.com/slash The Movie Guys, as well as YouTube, uh, uh, iTunes, Instagram, all that nonsense for daily jokes, articles, media links, and more. Thanks to Josh Hellman and Jennifer Alcott. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, is uh, before before we go, can you can you give me a, a line delivery of "I'll drive that tanker." Do it, do it. Wait. Um, you grew up as a, as a Road Warrior fan, right? You you imagine you are Mad Max, right? Do you have yeah. do you have a delivery? Have you ever delivered this I line? Think, I don't think I have. Play or ingest? Yeah. I think what's fun is that we will do it in a poor Australian accent. You, you guys, do it you in do, an authentic you do yours Australian accent. Yeah. Oh, Please. okay, sure. Ready? You, you, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I'll drive that tanker. I got that beat. I got that beat. Good. Anyone know Jaws? I'll drive that tanker. That's good. Hey. I have to say, they're both very good. Okay, thank you. Well, that's just that line. Anything else, I'd be screwed, but I love Road Warrior. (laughs) I'll drive that tanker. Uh, Oh, dang. That's an authentic one. Sorry, guys. I just dropped an egg there. You know what he added? (laughs) (laughs) He added smolder. That's what we neglected to add. Oh, yes. If in doubt, add add smolder. Uh, KateCan'tSwim.com <laughs> to find everything you want to know about the film. Yes. Is there social? You said there's Twitter, so what is it? Yeah, yeah. Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram Facebook, the Facebook, Facebook. The Facebook. There's two kinds. Yeah. The one for us and the one for your mom. 
the Facebook. <laughs> and it's uh, it's Kate Can't Swim in uh, each one of them. Yeah, each that one of them. Taken, Kate Can't Swim. Okay. No. Right. No. Uh, and as ever, you can find out everything we're up to, including reviews, articles, and more interviews like this at themovieguys.net. Thank you very much, and everybody, thanks for listening. Spoiler alert, Kate Can't Swim. Ha, 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 ha,